Hunter Pollock. Great job. Yeah. He's like a chip off the old Lego block. Huh? I got that. All late. It just came all that sudden. It was a... Way to go, Hunter. Good job. I encourage you to look at the bulletin and see the things that are coming up. Um, one of the things that we want to continue to mention is that we want as many bags pledged as possible. Uh, I don't know where we're at with all of that. I don't, I'm looking for hope and I don't see her. 80. All right. We are almost there. So we, we want to have 100 pledged. And so please, if you haven't pledged bags yet of clothing for the clothing exchange coming up in April, then please get that done so that we can make sure that we have that event. It's a crucial event for those in our neighborhood, and we need to make sure we get that done. I've told this story before about a friend of mine. Oh, I forgot my uh, remote. I've told this story before about a friend of, of actually for, of Robin and mine, Mala Segram, who was a nurse doing some nursing in northern Ontario several years ago, and she was taking a flight from Victoria back into northern Ontario and was landing on a lake. Uh, it was frozen at the time, and um, the plane, as it was coming in to land, fell, uh, and I don't know exactly how far it fell. Let's say it fell... Uh, 50 meters out of the sky, just as it was landing, all of a sudden it just dropped, boom, down onto the frozen lake. And all the force of the, of the uh, crash was centered underneath Mala's seat. And so the force of the crash went up through her seat and severed her spinal cord, just like that. And there were lots of people that were injured, uh, of course, on the plane. Mala herself attempted to get up and help some folks, although I, I say lots of people were injured, but they were all minor injuries, and she attempted to get out of her seat to go help some people because she was a nurse, and she couldn't get up. And she said, like she told me later, she said, I looked at my legs, and it was like they weren't mine because they wouldn't respond. They wouldn't do what I was trying to tell them to do, and it's because her spinal cord had been severed, and she didn't walk again. She, uh, she died of cancer here, oh, what, five years ago, honey, four years ago, something like that. I don't remember how long ago it was that Mala passed away. But what amazed me as I think about that now is just the fact that at that time, that moment of crisis on that plane, that Mala, although she was the one that was really injured, and they actually had to cut her out of the plane while she was still in her seat to try and perhaps save her ability to walk, um, she wanted to go help others in the midst of the crisis that was really her crisis uh, above and beyond anybody else's. Robin and I had occasion here in the last couple of days to watch the movie The Impossible, which sounds like maybe it's going to have Tom Cruise in it or something, but it, but it didn't. It was the movie that was a documentary almost of, uh, but really a dramatization of the 2004 tsunami that hit Indonesia. And I had the, the filming was amazing and what these people went through was incredible. And, and of course, this was a true story. But there's one point in the movie after this woman and her son, there were five in the family and the father and two kids are kind of separated from the mother and, and the son who, uh, who make it together by themselves. 
they end up in a hospital and she's injured quite badly, but the son's not really hurt at all. And so he's standing next to his mother's bed and she's a, she's a physician lying on the bed, unable to do anything because of her own injuries. And, and she says to him, you need to go and help others. You know, I can't do it. I'm lying here, but I can't move. You need to go and help the people around us. And so they're in a large room where there's maybe 100 or 150 people on uh, beds because of their injuries. And then there's just kind of room after room after room, whether it was in the hospital or I don't know what kind of facility it was, but there's all these beds and all these people lying on them. And, and people, survivors, would come into these rooms and they would yell out the names of their loved ones, hoping that maybe their loved ones were there on a bed somewhere and could hear them. So somebody would walk in and, you know, Mary Jo, Mary Jo, and then listen. And if nobody answered, then they would move on to the next room. And this 11-year-old boy realized very quickly that he couldn't do much as an 11-year-old to help these people who were in need, but he could listen for a name and then go yell that name out in other rooms. And so a father came through and yelled out the name of his son, and this 11-year-old hears that, And then he goes and starts to yell that same name into a room and then he moves on to the next room and the next room and the next room yelling out that name until there's a response. And then he sprinted back through all the rooms and finds the father and and says, I found him. And you can just imagine what a service that was to people who were looking for their loved ones. And so here they are right in the middle of this incredible crisis having the opportunity to minister to others uh, in the midst of it. Now, that's interesting because we as Christians, and certainly when crises hit, or even when it's not uh, an acute catastrophic kind of crisis that comes our way, but just the the normal ebbs and flows of life that sometimes uh, are momentary negative events, whether it's a temporary illness or a loss of a job or a minor accident or even the, the breakdown of a car or the breakdown of a relationship, we sometimes, in the midst of our pain, even though temporary, struggle with seeing the bigger picture. We struggle with coping with our own stresses in the most productive ways possible. And so when the mother says to her son, you could could do something here to help others, the son immediately says, no, I'm not leaving your side. I'm staying right here, mom. But then she convinces him that no, it's not the best thing for him to stay there right next to her. She's okay for the time being. She ha- he has the possibility of really going and helping some other folks. And so he does. So let me tell you the point of what we're looking at this morning right up front. It is my impression that God wants us to do more than just cope with our circumstances. And sometimes that's really hard. Like, I recognize that. It is difficult sometimes to cope with our circumstance. But he wants more than that. He wants for us more than just perseverance, more than just possessing a good attitude during difficult times. Because we actually, as it turns out, through the comfort of Christ, have the ability to do so much more than just those kinds of things. And so facing... Oh, I think I went too far. There we go. At both the good times and bad, God actually wants us to turn our attention away from ourselves and to others and to love them first. Because that is what God himself does. And I I recognize that there are some crises in our lives that are so debilitating 
that it's impossible for us to even move. You know, in the case of Mala, she's on the plane and she wants to go help others. But the fact is, Mala's injuries are so bad that she really can't go and help other people in her circumstances. The lady who's lying on the bed, her injuries were so bad that she really was in a position that she couldn't go and help other people. Although it is interesting that even in the midst of her incredible pain, she's able to think of others and say to her son, I can't go, but you can go. And so she sends her own son in to do just that kind of thing. And so sometimes there are those tragedies where we recognize it's just impossible. But other kinds of events take place. We have events experiences in our lives all the time that are not quite so grave. Life can, at moments, tumble in, and sometimes in ways that are irritating and upsetting and depressing, but they aren't life-threatening. They're not completely debilitating. We can still use our arms and our legs, and at moments like that, or maybe even through extended periods of challenge, God, I think wants us to do more than just grieve over our own circumstances. And in fact, I'd say God wants us to, to do more than just get by. He wants to, wants to comfort us so that we can get by. But he doesn't want us to be focusing so much on ourselves that this attitude of woe is me becomes the dominant kind of thought in our minds. Now, the fact is, um, like, you might know t- who Tony Robbins is, okay? Tony Robbins, he's a big-time, positive, mental attitude kind of guy. He gets on TV and wears a microphone like this and talks to everybody and gets them all excited about who they might be and all their potential for accomplishing things in life. And this morning, I don't want to be Tony Robbins. In fact, you'll see very quickly that there's good reasons not to be like that. But nonetheless, we have some abilities, And in fact, facing difficult times in the most productive ways possible does not mean that we simply find in ourselves some profound inner strength. And that's what I would say Tony Robbins would do. He would say that you have all this innate power within you. Something that allows you to transcend who you are and make all kinds of changes and and through your own efforts and your own positive abilities, maybe even your own positive, positive energies, accomplish things in life that you never dreamt of. And I would say that it's not that way with us at all. We don't accomplish things because of who we are. Instead, God wants us to find our strength, not in ourselves, but in Him. He wants us to rely on Him and not just get through circumstances, but he wants to enable us to reach out to others and bless them even in the midst of our struggles. In fact, the way that works is that God comforts us through difficult times, not just for the sake of our comfort and peace, although he does want to give us that, but specifically so that we might in turn comfort others in their difficult times. Let me read that again, because I think it's important. It's especially important for those who struggle with things and who do tend, and, it's, and we all can go there. Like all of us at any moment could go there where we say, woe is me. But God comforts us through difficult times, not just for the sake of our comfort and peace, although he does give us that, 
but specifically so that we might in turn comfort others in their difficult times. And I think this is absolutely gospel truth, to put it in exactly this way. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you would, please. It's on pages 816, 17 in your pew Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, page 816 in the pew Bibles. And I'm going to read from verses 1 uh, through 11 or so here. We'll see how far I get. Maybe I'll stop at 7. We'll see. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 3, okay? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, this is fascinating, just listen to this. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now those are interesting, powerful words. And oftentimes, we deal with things in our, in our own kind of way. And, and you've said this to each other. You, you know, you'll, sometimes you'll say to your wife, or you'll say to your husband, well, you know, things could be worse. Or, you, you know, you get sick and you get a bad diagnosis, and we say, things could be worse. We could have lost it all. Well, at least I'm not like, and, you know, pick the person. I'm not like Colin, or I'm not like Diane, or I'm not like the Carpenters, I'm not like the Joneses. We might say, well, at least we have our health. We say that. We might say, at least we aren't Maple Leafs fans. I wanted to say Chicago Cubs fans, by the way, but after 112 years or whatever it was, they won the World Series. I can't say that now, so I'll just have to pick on the Maple Leafs, which is actually okay with me. Cleveland Cleveland won the NBA championship this year after years of frustration. They hadn't won a major championship in Cleveland since 1964. And then LeBron James came in and they won it. So I can't pick on them either. But the Maple Leafs are always there to pick on. So we can pick on them. I'd pick on the Oilers, but they're having a good year. Well, there has to be something more valuable for ourselves and others than simply... Counting it a blessing that things aren't worse. And so Paul gives us something here that's a lot more than just looking at the bright side. It's a lot more than just viewing the glass half full instead of half empty. He actually gives us purpose and direction and something really productive for difficult times. And so it seems to me, and you can see this especially like in verses 7 through 9 or so, that Paul gives us three major principles or ideas that go along with the notion of comfort. And here they are. First, he recognizes his own comfort comes from God as he relies on God in the midst of his own hard times. And the fact is, we need to do this. The Bible talks about a peace 
that comes to those who give themselves over to Jesus Christ that passes all understanding. A peace that goes beyond what we can even begin to comprehend. And the Holy Spirit is the provider of this kind of peace. And so if you know God, if you are one with Him, something happens. And so it's crucial that we respond to God in wonderfully productive ways because he wants us to be comforted. He wants us to experience his peace. And it will be difficult for you to fulfill God's will in the midst of your own hard times if you simply refuse to let him comfort you in your struggles. We won't turn there, but there's a passage later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. He says, I kept asking for God to remove this from me. Three times I begged him, take this from me. And God basically said, no. And then Paul's conclusion to that in verse 10 or so is, when I am weak is when I am strong. And I can't think of how that comes. Like, how is it that you can say, when I'm weak is when I'm strong? I don't have the ability, when I'm weak, to be strong. But God has the ability to take that one who is weak and make him or her strong. And so when I am weak, I'm strong because it's that point at which I give myself completely to God and Christ works within me to do something that I can't begin to do on my own. So I don't possess a certain strength, but he does. And because God possesses that strength, he ministers to me and to you. Second thing, the strength and comfort the Lord's provide us the Lord provides us is specifically intended to enable us to be there for others. Look again at verses 7 through 9 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Or, sorry, no, I, I got the wrong verses here in my head. It's uh, verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. That's amazing. Why is it that you are comforted? It's not just for your comfort. It is so that you can, in fact, comfort others. You know, we use the language all the time. We know this comes right out of 1 John. We love because why? We, we love because he first loved us. It only makes sense to me that we could go around now saying, we comfort others, we comfort them because he comforted us first. And when Christ comforts us first, there is something there for us that allows us to then comfort others. And that's a principle that Paul seems to be laying down. And in fact, this makes total sense in light of the fact that we are called the body of Christ. Like if we are the body of Christ, if Christ is in us and we then live out Christ in this world then as his body, we are representatives of his in this world. That we are his presence in this world. And if the comforting presence of Christ has comforted us, and we then begin to be the body of Christ for others, then we end up comforting others in the way that Jesus has comforted us. So while we receive the comfort of Christ directly through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we also receive the comfort of Christ in the presence of his body, the church, when we comfort one another. And so there's a sense in which nobody should ever go uncomforted 
Because not only are we receiving the direct comfort from Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we also comfort one another. Now, if you received no comfort from the Lord, then you will have little comfort to give. And so one of the things that we need to do this morning is to take stock in just how much comfort I receive from Christ. If in being open to the comfort Christ through His Spirit provides us, when hurts come our way, then the possibility of helping others simply because we too have been helped becomes a possibility. And so I would say that in three ways, comfort overflows. First, we are comforted directly by the Lord. We've mentioned that. And then comfort comes from others who hurt, but who've been comforted and who are the comforting presence of Christ to us as his body. And those two principles are just beautiful. It's, it's wonderful to think about what that means in terms of Christ's comfort coming into us and then us being able to comfort others because of what we've received. But then, watch this third one. Comfort actually comes back to you when you comfort others. Something happens when you comfort someone else. Something good happens in you when you comfort somebody else. And at this point, we're simply putting into action a principle that we see in Christianity all the time. You focus on others, and it ends up being a blessing to you. We comfort others, and it does something for us. We bless others, and we ourselves are blessed. You give, and you receive. You sow, and you reap. So we find ourselves comforted by God directly. We find ourselves comforted, in fact, so directly by God that we're able to then comfort others in their suffering. And then the comfort that we have now comforted them with comes back and comforts us again. So it's no surprise to me that Paul says, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Because in his weakness, if he receives the comfort of God, and then through that his strength, and then is able to comfort others, then there's even increased strength that comes to him in his act of comforting other people. And so, and there's a sense in which you could say, at my weakest is when I'm at my strongest. As God comforts me, I comfort others. And then that comforting of others comes back and blesses me. So I would say that in helping others, our levels of strength, our levels of comfort, our levels of peace and joy and love all increase because of what we receive in a compounding kind of comfort that comes to him when we comfort others. There is simply nothing more therapeutic for someone who is emotionally hurting than for them to assist others in their pain. It makes then no sense for us to say, woe is me. Because it won't do anything for us. But to receive the comfort of Christ and then comfort others and then have that comfort come back to you as you in turn comfort others makes total sense. You know, I have a degree in psychology, but I must admit that I'm not a great counselor. There are some who are trained to be great counselors. I don't think that I'm one of them. When someone comes to me and they're hurting about something, I'm somewhat likely to suggest to them as part of my attempt to comfort 
That the most therapeutic thing they could do is to go comfort someone else once they've received from the Lord His comfort. And so often people don't like hearing that. In the last week, someone called. We talked for about an hour on the phone. At the end, she said to me, so you're just telling me to buck up. And I said, no. I'm not simply telling you just to buck up. What I'm telling you is that there is a contentment that comes to us from the Holy Spirit that God wants to provide our lives. And that when we have received that contentment from Him, that it puts us in a wonderful position to pass on to others our comfort that we have received from the Holy Spirit. And that's not some small thing. It's not just skirting around the issue. It's not telling us to just buck up But it is, in fact, real comfort that comes from Christ. I believe that there's a real peace that passes all understanding that is available to us in Jesus. And when we receive this peace from Him, we can pass it on, this thing that we have received from God. And so I believe that this comfort we provide others is, in turn, something that provides us, then, with even more comfort. So I have some advice to give you today. But it is not buck up. You can receive peace in this life because of your relationship with Christ and with His Spirit. And our relationships with others who are there to comfort you and then the comfort you receive becomes a source of comfort to others, which in turn All that more comforts you as you minister to someone else. And I think that's the body of Christ. I think that's who we're supposed to be. And if we're the body of Christ, are we not then Christ followers? Doing in our world what Jesus kept doing. I think that's what he wants for us. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us, that we might receive all your comfort. God, I pray that as your comfort overflows into our lives, that not only will we receive it, but that comfort will in fact go out from us to comfort those around us who also need both your comfort and comfort from us as the body of Christ. And then God, I know, because I have experienced it, that when we do that before you, that you bless us with a a special, anointed form of comfort that flows to us when we have comforted others in your name. It's just such a beautiful experience, God, of of hurting and receiving comfort, blessing others, and having our comfort overflow. You've made that possible. And today we praise and thank you for that and ask that you would make that possible, make that a reality in all of our lives. We pray through Jesus. Amen.